Uh, greetings in the name of Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited that uh, I'm in your midst and I've actually enjoyed the praise and the worship. I've enjoyed the presence of God in this place. And uh, truly, this is a, a great testimony to see how God is interested in nations, not one nation. And uh, I'm so blessed. And I just pray that the, the Lord may keep on blessing this local congregation and keep on increasing it because uh, there is something big that he has for you in this city and in these communities. Um, before I say anything more, I would also want to say thank you for the good hospitality, generosity, and the love that you have shown to me. I'm so thankful. Shall we just pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you this wonderful morning, even as I'll be able to speak to your people. Holy Spirit, minister to your people in a special way. Those that need encouragement, give them encouragement. Those that need direction, give them direction. Those that need comfort, give them comfort. I pray that Holy Spirit, may you give me simplicity and clarity as I speak to your people. In the name of Jesus, we welcome you and we just bless your love and, and, and uh, your power in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, I, have a, I would have had a lot to speak, but I would try by all means to speak just but a few. To just encourage you and uh, leave a word. In Africa, when a person is, uh, is going, the last words that he speaks, that must be very important and must be taken seriously. I hope it may be part of your culture here. So, I want to speak about what I'm calling redigging the wells. As uh, Pastor Timur said, redigging the wells. Now, this is very important even as we look at a community that can grow. You see, anything that is stagnant is quite dangerous. In Africa, you you, you get stagnant water, you are in trouble. It will be a breeding ground for, for, for mosquitoes, and it will be a breeding ground for diseases. Okay? So anything that is stagnant becomes a danger to society, a danger to people. If a church can remain stagnant, it will also be a danger to God and a danger to society. So, there are certain things that God has spoken in his word that will be able to give us the momentum to move on. Hello? Yes. Church is not man's idea. A church was not discovered in a laboratory. Hello? The church was not researched by a scientist. The church was born from heaven. Okay? And he says, I'm building my church. Not your church. Not my church. Not a British church. Not an African church. is building his church. Now, if it is an idea from God, if it's an idea from heaven, then it must have guidelines from above on how it should be able to operate. And today, I just want to encourage you 
on something that will be able to make this church a growing community. And this is going back to the basics, which I'm calling digging the wells. Shall we just open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 26, verse 18? If I go loud, you excuse me, we make a lot of noise in Africa. You know, we are so noisy, we are so shouty and all that. So if I go beyond a certain uh, uh, volume, just bear with me for just today. Yeah. So Genesis 26. I haven't been so long here, but I can pick in the spirit that uh, you are a moving church. You are going in a light direction. My Bible leads, verse 18. Isaac reopened the wells that Abram, that, that, I, that had been dug in the times of his father Abram, which the Philistine had stopped up after Abram died. And he gave them the same names. He gave them, he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac, Isaac's servant dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the headsman of Gela quarreled with Isaac's headsman and said, The altar is ours. So he named the well Essek because they disputed with him. They disputed with him. Then they dug another well, so they quarreled over it. So he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well. No one quarreled over it and named it Leoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. The Lord has given us room. Now, in the ancient times, in the times of Abram, the old society depended so much on agriculture. And it was in the desert land of, of the Palestine. There, was, there wasn't so much water supply sources. So they depended and relied on fountains and wells. So during the time of Abram, he dug three major wells in his life. Wells were a symbol of God's blessing to a people. They were a symbol of God's favor on his own people. So Abram in his life, he dug three wells. For your own information, I don't have much time. Through the study, you discover that there were three wells that Abram dug. The first one, you hear of it in Genesis 16, verse 14. It is called Bealoidi. When Agar was running away from, from Selah, and now she was in, she was in a very difficult situation. And then the Lord spoke, the Lord sent an angel. And then she saw a well. And this well was called Bealoidi. Now, if you start that well in Genesis 21 and Genesis 25, you discover that it is connected to Abram because Abram dwelled there. And this well simply means there is a God who sees. Okay? There is a God who sees. Some other translations say, the one who sees has seen me. The one who sees has seen me. The other translation says, there is a God who sees. So Abram dug a well 
in which he was saying, regardless of whatever goes on, my God sees. My God keeps record of what I'm doing for him. So he dug that first well. The second well that Abram dug was the well of the seven. If you read Genesis 21, you know, he did complain with Abimelech. He complained to say, look at your people, they are getting wells from me. And Abimelech said, I am not sure, and and, and I don't know about it. I am just knowing it now. Then Abram made a, a, a covenant, an agreement with Abimelech when he gave him seven sheep. And he called that well Beersheba, Bea a well. So the well of the seven, or the well of the promise. So Hablam dug a second well where he said, uh, the God that I, I, I worship is a covenant-keeping God, is a God who gives promises. Okay? Now third well that Hablam dug was a well of real birth. Real birth means... The Lord has given us land. The Lord has given us enough room. Now, at this death, the Bible records that the enemies of Abram, the Philistines, went and buried what Abram had dug. Okay? They were completely uh, broke up. Now, his son Isaac realized the importance of these wells. So, the Lord gave a burden to him to start digging the wells that were, that were buried by the enemies. And this is a record that we have in the scripture. Now, before I, I go any further, let's just open our Bibles to Numbers 21, verse 16. Twenty-one verse sixteen, the Bible says. From there they continued on to bear the well where the Lord said to Moses, "Gather people together, and I'll give I'll give them water." Then Israel sang this song: "Spring up well, spring up well, sing about it, about the well that the princess dug, and the noble of the people sang, and the noble with the scepter." And the staff. And they went up from the desert to Mat- Matana. This is the journey in the wilderness. And now the Lord gives them, as they, they pass through Moab, the Lord gave them an opportunity to find a well. And it was a source of joy, you know? Because again, when we talk about water and wells, they were, they, they were, they were a symbol of refreshment. They were a symbol of consecration, a symbol of a purity. Now, during their trip in the wilderness, the Lord gave them this well, and they sang about it. Spring up well. And in my, in my, in my heart, I pray that we may start crying that God may allow some springs to start springing forth in our lives. Now, I'm linking up this so that you may see the importance of wells in the life of the Old Testament, in the lives of the people in the Bible. After the enemies buried those wells, Isaac came and started digging them. Okay? Now, what has it got to do with this generation? 
What has it got to do with our, our time? It has a lot to do because there is an attack on a God who sees. Okay? On a God who sees, there is an attack. When people go through life and they go through hard times, even local congregations, in uh, people as individuals, society as a society at large, when they go through hard times, they think there is no one who is able to come through their lives. There is no one who is seeing. But I want to tell you, it is high time we, we started really digging the wells in our societies and in our personal lives to know that there is a God who is actively involved in our lives. He has never left us as orphans. Hello? Now, society is making us to think as if we are struggling by ourselves. Society is trying to make us think as if it is only our effort, it's, not, it's only our logic, our, in, our intelligence, our abilities that are able to sustain us. But if we have been so wise enough, we can conclude and see from what we have learned from society. Society and its norms are failing. But there is a God who sees. And this, there is a need for us as people to go back to the basics and realize whatever the cause, whatever the reason, whatever the situation, there is a God. There is a God who sees. Are we together? And the good news for you is that your God is not a dead God. Your God is not a retired God. Your God is never gone for holiday somewhere. Your God is still at the height of his power. He's still the active God. He's still the power of God. He's still the almighty God. He's still the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. He is still. Now, society is trying to, to bury these wells that the Bible shows us that this God is still a power of God. Hello? Now, listen. Some of the wells that have been dug in our society the importance of the word of God in our lives. This Bible is now just like any of the books. Okay? Just like any of the textbooks. The enemy in this generation is questioning this word. I've come to encourage you. This is not a textbook. This is a rhema word. This is a revelation word from God. It may have been written by people you know. It may have been written by people who had weaknesses. But it contains the very nature of God. In fact, God has exalted his word even above his name. Did you know that? Did you know that this word is forever established in heavens? And God sits to watch his, over his word. Our generation has made us to ignore this word. Okay? I have come to encourage you. If anything goes wrong in life, you have got something to fall back on. The word of God. This word can never fail. Even and death will pass, will pass. But the word of God will never. It will stand. So now, the, the Philistines are burying our trust in the word of God. Okay? The Philistines are burying... The word of God. 
I remember one night, our daughter, she was about two years. She died in the night. And my wife started crying. The veins had collapsed, you know, in our society, in that part of the world. If that happens, that's death, okay? The veins had collapsed, and there was no way. My wife started crying, and I almost started crying. Then I remembered the scripture in Deuteronomy that says, I shall bless the fruit of your womb. And it was in the middle of the night. I opened the word of God in Deuteronomy 28. Literally opened the Bible, Deuteronomy 28, put it on the ground, and I stepped on it. I said, Father God, I never advised you to put this in your word. I never forced you. I never did anything for you to put this promise, this wonderful promise in your word. Willingly, you did it because of your love for me. You said you shall bless the fruit of your womb. Death is not a fruit. It's not, it's not a blessing. In the name of Jesus, this child must come back to life according to your word. And the child came back to life. There is so much power that we, we, are, ignore, we are ignoring in our generation. The enemy is burning this. It doesn't matter. We thank God for doctors. At one time, seven doctors, highly qualified, surrounded this daughter of mine again, confirmed dead. Seven qualified doctors at the biggest hospital in Zambia, the university teaching hospital. Beatrice and I, we said, no, it can't be. It can't. And we told them, give us a Christian doctor. The Christian doctor said, truly, what the others have said is true. I said, you are a child of God. That's why we asked for you. Can't there be any way or any other opportunity we can trust the word of God? He said, we can. And he went, got an injection. And the other seven doctors went. Put the child on the, on the table. Injected her. Put a drip into the bone marrow. I don't know if you do put uh, drips in bone marrows. Fifteen seconds, the drip was finished and the child came back to life. And while he was doing that, he was singing, God will make a way where seems to be no way. And we were also praying. Now, what are we saying? The enemy is trying to bully the power which is in the word of God. We can try all this other stuff, but we, we are failing to trust this word. I have come to challenge you to say, if this church is going to grow, it must be a church that must have a, a strong and solid dependence on the word of God. Talking is cheap. You can talk to say, I believe the word. Now we want to see men and women that are going to act on what this word says. I've said something good. <laughs> I know you don't like me. <laughs> anyway, you, 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 you're good people. You see, the, situation, the situations in life, they always tend to question this word. Circumstances will question this word. But if you go by what situations and circumstances are, are saying, then you are, you are doomed. God is not a liar. What has he has said, it is true. That's why Abraham said, there is a God who sees. That was the will 
that was valid. But Isaac, clever boy, he dug them. Wanted to, to connect himself to God. The second way of the enemies uh, budding in our generation is the well of prayer. Okay? It, our, the well of prayer is being valid. Listen, if you are sick, see the doctor. If you are angry, buy the food from the fast food. If you don't have, go and borrow from the bank. Okay? So we have a lot, we have a generation that are highly indebted because they cannot trust God. All the people that walked with God in the Bible, how many Christians are here? All of us. Okay? All the people that walked with God in the word of God, they were people that depended upon God in prayer. Prayer is a declaration of your dependence on God. Okay? There are times when mayor prayer will, 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 will fail. There are times when mayor prayer will fail. I'm saying mayor prayer. There is a time when you can go into a deeper prayer for a situation to change. Okay? God, you know, it is not that you are twisting the arm of God. It is the declaration of your dependence on God. God is our source. He's our sustainer. Without him, we are finished. So if you kick prayer out of individual lives, some people, they are saying, I'll go to church, then the pastor will pray for me. It doesn't work that way. You need to learn to trust God on your own. And when you are coming trusting God, and I also come trusting God, and if the two shall agree, you are charged up with the promises of God, and I am charged up with the promises of God, and then we agree, a miracle will take place. When the supernatural manifests, the natural gives way. That's why there is need for prayer. Society is sick and tired of religion, which cannot offer any solution. Why should they come to church when it doesn't make sense? Why should, it, why should they come to church when there is no solution? The entire creation is waiting for the manifestation of the true sons and daughters of God. Creation is crying. Your seat is crying for the manifestation. How are we going to be, to man, to be manifested? Until you and I, we are crucified. Until you and I, we die to self. Prayer can help you to die to yourself because now you're depending on God. The Philistines of our generation, they are making us busy that we cannot even pray. I looked at statistics. They said an average pastor prays for five minutes per day. I don't know if that is true, but this is the general statistics. Now, if a pastor can pray for five minutes, if the pulpit can pray... For five minutes, what about the pew? I can show you in the word of God how people prayed. And God came through. Sinners are going careless to hell, not because they want to. It is because the church has not crucified themselves. They have a, they, you know, people are not praying. Asking God. 
It's not everybody who may be called into intercession, but all of us are called to pray. My father was a careless sinner. For two years, my mother, with prayer and fasting and crying and mourning and weeping for him, after two years, the man got saved. He got saved. Some of these careless sinners we see, it is not because they are indifferent to the gospel. It is because their hearts are still hard. We need to pray that God, the Holy Spirit, may soften their hearts so that they may, the gospel may start making sense to them. Prayer is needed. You take away prayer from the church, you have buried the church. Somebody say amen. I'm concluding very soon. The other thing that the enemy is burning in, the church, in our society is fellowship. I thank God for you. Okay? Fellowship. The coming of brothers and sisters together. Why is it so? Because I can have church on TV. Okay? I told my local congregation to say, you watch the TV, you have the church program on TV, but when you need care and love, call those people on TV to become your brothers and your sisters. How simple is that? Jesus was not stupid to, to say, we must be together as one body. And the, and the, the apostle John in 1 John says, if we, we walk in light and we have fellowship with one another, then the blood of his son cleanses us and washes us. So fellowship is very important. It's not important just for the growth and the numbers of the church. It is important for your own sanctification, for your own growth, for your own advantage. Do not be forced. David said, I was glad, very glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This one thing I desire and this is one thing that I, I ask of the Lord that I may inquire from his tabernacle and dwell and guess at his beauty. There is need for us to make the house of God, to make God's people our people. The enemy is burning that. There is power in that. So I've talked about the word and I've talked about prayer and I've talked about fellowship. The last one I'm talking about is a ministry. Ministry. And I'm concluding. Ministry during the fall of the church in AD 300 when the church went into the, into the dark age. Everything was now done by professional ministers. Okay? What the professional ministers did and the enemy was burning was to take away the word of God from people. It was only a minister who was supposed to have the word of God. During reformation, you remember reformation? Yes. The word of God was taken back to the people. Yes. The word of God was given back to the people. Now there is one thing that has never yet been given to the people. Ministry during the dark age was also taken from the people. All of us are called by God. We are a loyal family. A loyal priesthood. You are called to minister to each, to one another. 
It is not just about a guy coming from Zambia. You, you are also being called to minister, to do ministry. And this is why small groups are so important. In small groups, you are given an opportunity to exercise your full potential. Because in a meeting like this, it's only a guy from Zambia who is given an opportunity to speak. Okay? But in a small group, and this is the will and the purpose of God, everybody is called to do ministry. And the word of God says, iron sharpen. How simple as that? So small groups will make us go back to the purposes of God. And that will make a growing community. Number one, the word of God. Our confidence in the word of God. Number two, prayer. Number three, fellowships. Number four, ministry. We minister to each other and we minister to non-believers. When we don't go to non-believers, they will never come to us. True or false? Hello? How many have, have gone fishing? Have ever gone fishing before? Fishing. Does the fish come to you or you? Okay? We may pray and pray that God miraculously may bring people. It will never be done. The Bible in Mark chapter 16 verse 20 says, When they went and they preached the gospel, and the Lord went with them, confirming his word by signs and wonders, the apostles were to go. Then God was to accompany them and God was to confirm his word. When you go, you haven't yet seen miracles. You haven't seen instantaneous answer to prayers. Unless you do ministry, you'll be shocked. You'll be shocked. One day I was coming as I conclude, I was coming from a certain place and I found some women washing on the well. They were washing. And I was with the Bible. It was a group of about seven women. Then they said, ah, you are with the Bible. Come and speak to us. So I went and I started speaking to them. As I spoke to them, I said, let's pray. And I pray. It was near the well. Let's pray. I closed my eyes. When I closed my eyes, I just opened my mouth to pray. Everybody, boom, boom, everybody ground. My eyes were closed. So I said, ah. People are quiet here. Let me open my eyes. Then I saw I was not a pastor. I was not nothing. The power of God has just come and eat the people. And there was no one to recommend me to say, well done. <laughs> it was only God himself. When you take a step and go into ministry, you go and do. Your neighbor is not going very far. Okay? Your neighbor, your relatives, your brothers, your sisters, they need this Christ. You don't know the pain they're undergoing. Sinners are suffering. And yet we seem to be comfortable. Take a step and go and you see how God, number one, a sinner will find joy. And number two, you discover how powerful God can use you. Are we together? This will make us a community of who? Growth. A growing community. Where the enemies are burning, we are saying, no, we are not going to, he's not going to bury the word. He's not going to bury prayer in our lives. He's not going to bury fellowship. He's not going to bury 
you know, our ministry, each and every one of us will be minister. We will be a minister of the gospel. I pray and believe. I'm not just speaking information. I've spoken my heart. Shall we stand up? Father, I thank you and I bless you. I have done that which you told me to do. And I've accomplished my assignment. Holy Spirit, I know there is somebody here that you've been speaking to. And you've spoken so strongly upon their lives. I pray that, Father, these people, may you raise them. Father, to be people that will be so dependent on the promises of God, on the word of God, to make everything that you have said to be final in their lives. And I pray that you may raise, Father, a people of prayer, a people that will have a burden to pray, not only when called upon, not only when it is necessary, People who have a burden, God Almighty, praying for the local congregation, praying for their community, praying for their people, until the glory of the Lord comes down. My God and my Father, I pray that you'll be able to bless the fellowship of these people as they come, God Almighty, living together, loving together, caring for each other, God Almighty. You release your blessing as you've said in your word. How good and wonderful it is, God Almighty. When brethren dwell in unity, this you shall do upon your people. There you command a blessing in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you as you release ministries in the lives of your people. Each and every one of them, God, will discover that which you have put in their lives to affect society, to affect people. I bless your people. I release your grace over your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you so much.